It's another game day for Tennessee football and first-year head coach Josh Heupel. Get in the know with GameQuest, a VolQuest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric Kane. GameQuest starts now. Welcome to GameQuest. It is Florida edition. I am Eric Kane alongside uh, Ben McKee, my good buddy here. And, uh, of course, this um, show is brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products, organic remedies, and a variety of ailments. You can visit four of the locations in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, the newest location, Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across from Trader Joe's. And uh, you can buy online at their website, SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Ben McKee, it is a, it's a big game coming up for Tennessee. Of course, you've got the SEC opener. you got the first true road game uh, for the Volunteers really in two years. Um, it's Florida. <laughs> Enough said there. Uh, a big one coming up here later today. Absolutely. It'll be a fun one down in the swamp tonight. Uh, quite the, the circumstances for Josh Heupel's first SEC road game. That is for sure. Under the lights in the swamp, prime time, seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, I I think that it will be a good one. Uh, I put in my predictions. If you if you read through them, that I think it's going to be an ugly, sloppy game. But I, I still think it'll be somewhat of a, a close game throughout. And we will obviously dive into. Uh, the potential of Tennessee making this a close game throughout. Yeah, I don't want to say this off the top, man. I, I did all my other podcasts on Friday. I went over the numbers and kind of put it out there about how I, I say to the question, is this still a rivalry game or not? Knowing the Tennessee fans, of course, it's a rivalry game. Um, but, of course, you know, Tennessee has not had success of late. We all know about that. But, you know, regardless of what it is, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you're a Tennessee fan, anytime you play Florida, anytime you play Georgia, anytime you play Alabama, any of the time in the last 12 to 15 years, it still means so much. And so, you know, this fan base is going to be, you know, hyped up, no pun intended, uh, and ready to roll. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Tennessee's a 19-point dog on a Friday morning. Um, you know, will it, will it cover? I believe it will. Will it make it a game in the fourth quarter? We'll see. But I do believe this is a good opening test here for Josh Heupel, the first of the big three of his Tennessee tenure. I think the mountain's a little too high for this one here in week four of his tenure, but you know I'm excited to see how Josh Heupel fares in game number one of what you know is one of the three games every single year that Tennessee fans really care about. Absolutely. This game will always be a rivalry game. I don't care if Tennessee has lost 30 in a row or if Florida has lost 30 in a row. This game will always – be a rivalry game. And for those of you who listen to me on the Swain event, you know that Swain and I have this conversation a couple of times throughout the offseason. My definition of a rivalry game is, is different than most. You always hear people talking about, well, it's not much of a rivalry because so-and-so hasn't won in, in quite some time. And like, I, I get that, but a rivalry game isn't based off of who wins and loses a rivalry game is based off of the hate between the two teams and Tennessee and Florida, regardless of circumstance will always hate each other as each side should. And and to me, that is what dictates a rivalry game. I know Tennessee fans don't like hearing this, but it's why Vanderbilt is a rivalry game. It's why Kentucky is a rivalry game. Even in football. Uh, Is it the same as Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, 
Absolutely not. It's not. But Tennessee and Vanderbilt fans or Tennessee fans and the single Vanderbilt fan, they don't like each other. That, That is what makes up a rivalry. Tennessee and Kentucky fans, whether it's football, basketball, they don't like each other. That makes up a rivalry. Tennessee and Missouri, they don't care about each other. They, they don't have hard feelings for one another. Tennessee and South Carolina, there, there's there's not really hard feelings between one another. They just happen to be in the same division. But uh, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, that's a rivalry because there's hate between the two schools. It, again, it's not the same as Alabama, Georgia, Florida. But if there's if there's hate and dislike between uh, two schools uh, that routinely play each other every single season – then it's a rivalry game in my book, regardless of, of whether it's competitive or not. I know that's a little dif- different definition no, than most yeah. have. And, and I hear those who say, hey, it hasn't been competitive. You're right. It hasn't been competitive. But to me, that just tells me that it's not a very competitive rivalry. These two teams will always hate each other. So I like this conversation because you, you can have two different conversations. Of course, in my opinion, yes, it's still a rivalry now. Is it a competitive rivalry? Absolutely not. It hasn't been in quite some time. That doesn't mean it's not a rivalry game. And that my whole point of the conversation in my pod was kind of on that. And I got some listener input as well from social media and stuff. Tick some people off. It comes with the territory. It's kind of funny there. But nonetheless, I mean, this is a big game. Um, but I do think that, you know, something we never saw from Jeremy Pruitt, uh, we never saw growth. We never saw Tennessee closing the gap, like Jeremy Pruitt said, which was complete hogwash after whatever loss that was. I think it was Florida last year. Um, and I'm not saying you're going to get it here today in game number one. It, 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 it'd be great if you did, but we'll we'll have to see. But you know, something that Josh Heupel is going to be charged with, and I think because it's just a different team now in terms of offensive scheme, mindset, and all that, you do have to be more competitive in these games. And sooner or later, you'd hope a lot sooner than later, you got to start trying to knock off some, you know, not trying. you got to start knocking off uh, some of these rivals. So um, it, it's interesting to see, you know, kind of starting from the ground floor. Of course, Tennessee, lack of death. We all know the issues with Tennessee. We talk about it daily. But I'm excited to see how it competes against being a Florida team that I think is, is, is extremely talented. Um, I think they've got athletes everywhere, very well coached. But I think there's some limitations in there. We're going to get into that today. But first, I want to start off with injury concerns for Tennessee. I think today, more so than the past two weeks, you're going to start getting back a couple of guys. Will Joe Milton play? Uh, still, it's going to be a game-time decision, I feel like. Uh, he has practiced, Josh Heupel said, uh, to us on Thursday. He said on Vol Calls Wednesday night that Joe Milton has been out there and uh, getting some work in. Hidden Hooker still taking the majority of the reps. So, We'll see if Joe Milton can go and how much he's a factor, if all, uh, here later today. I think Jabari Small is going to be available. We'll see how much run he gets. Of course, in the war room, we, we talked about Cooper Mays. Expect him back at center. Jerome Carvin at guard. Uh, Latrell Bumpus is expected to be back as well. He's missed the last two games. And then, Ben, we'll have to see about Juwan Mitchell. He missed last week's game, and um, though he hasn't made the biggest impact so far, he played good against the Pittsburgh uh, in, in that game, uh, Tennessee needs uh, its middle linebacker back on that defense as well. Yeah, I, I think the the two that I circle of the most important of of the ones that you mentioned are, and all are important. Jabari Small, you you'd rather have him in there instead of a, a true freshman. In you need H&M you need Ryan. Cooper. You need Cooper, and you're going to get him back. Yep, and and that's where I'm going. Is like Cooper and Juwan Mitchell stand out above even Joe Milton to me because I would I would roll with Hendon Hooker. I, I think he's the better quarterback option. So uh, unless Hendon gets hurt, 
that's when the availability of Joe Milton uh, concerns you. If I were in charge, which it's probably a good thing that I'm not in charge of Tennessee football, it, it would somehow be even worse than, than what it is. But again, I would start Hendon Hooker and roll with Hendon Hooker. So that's why I say that Cooper Mays, Jawan Mitchell, those two are the ones that I'm circling even more so. And we, we talk about Cooper for obvious reasons. He, he sets the tone. Uh, he, he controls the, the tempo, the communication up front. But Kingston Harris has gone down to injury as well. And if Cooper wasn't available, then you're you're looking at Ali Lane at left guard or, or you're looking at somebody else. So I bring up Cooper because his his return could not come at a better time because of this new injury to Kingston Harris, who will not be available uh, this week and won't be available next week either. And then after that, it, it, it's a big question mark. So uh, Cooper's return is it was already pivotal. But with the the added injury of Kingston Harris, uh, it makes it even more so uh, pivotal. And with with Jawan Mitchell, I don't think he's been very good, quite frankly. I don't think he's been bad. Uh, It's just based off of the expectations coming into the season. He's not been the eraser that many people thought he would be. And and without him, you're relying on a guy in, in Solon Page who is a great story. He's a veteran you know he's going to line up where he needs to to be, but I don't think that he has the the skill set to go up against a dominant Florida rushing attack. He's an Eric Kane uh, out there. Let's be honest. <laughs> yes, he he is. Uh, well, I, that that's just too disrespectful. I, I look. I was trying to be nice and say that <laughs> uh, he's not good enough to go up against a Florida rushing attack. You're just being flat out disrespectful when you right. when you say he's Eric Kane out there. You're right. Um, but Solon has speed, but I, I the the physicality and the strength is what I worry about with him going up against this this Florida Russian attack that is that is very good. Have three running backs that can that can really get after you. Their their two quarterbacks are the two leading rushers on the team, and their offensive line has battled inconsistencies. They've just kind of always been solid. But against Alabama, they just completely dominated Alabama in the trenches, uh, leaned on them, and just moved guys out of the way. That was the best performance that that line has had in, in years, uh, according to people like Cole Kublik, who, who relentlessly study offensive lines in the SEC. So uh, Solon Page in that matchup concerns me. So Tennessee, you, you really need Juwan Mitchell out there. Let me ask you this, Ben, and I've seen you go on record in saying that, and I, I agree to an extent. It's not like I completely disagree with you here. I mean, Cooper Mays is going to help. You need Cooper Mays. You really haven't seen this starting five on the offensive line play a whole lot. You've seen him play two series, two touchdowns against Bowling Green, okay? Um, then Cooper goes down. He tries to gut it out, and then we haven't seen him since. Uh, so Cooper's going to help from a communication aspect, from a tempo aspect, having Jerome Carvin playing his natural position at guard. That's going to help. Um, how much will it help? Because, Ben, you know, Tennessee has struggled. I mean, we, I, I have. I know, I know Brent has. We all have. You know, harping on, you, you didn't win the line of scrimmage against Tennessee Tech. I mean, you did, but you didn't dominate. And, and that's very concerning. Um, you struggled at times against Pitt. Uh, Tyon Evans averaged, you know, 2.7 yards per carry against Tennessee Tech on 15 carries. You know, that's not good. The quarterbacks have been good, and, and, and they will continue to be big in the run game. How much will a guy like Cooper Mays help in that regard of just trying to get Tennessee back to, to winning the line of scrimmage consistently and able to – to get a push in the run game because Tennessee needs that run game. I've taken a little bit different of approach to the offensive line play against Tennessee tech 
than most. I agree that it was it was bad. I mean, Tennessee was working on Tennessee. I understand they weren't. You know, if it was somebody else, maybe they would have done things differently. But right, and that that's not even my thing. My thing is, um, you know, it was a bad performance from Tennessee's offensive line. Whether you're working on things or not, I don't care if you're running the same run play over and over 50 straight times. That run play against Tennessee Tech should work 50 times in a row. Yep. But the the issue and my my different approach than than most this week is I'm not as concerned moving forward because of the performance against Tennessee Tech uh, because in that particular game they played most of the game without three of the, their starters. Cade Mays went out after he hit stick. Uh, the the kid on the sideline. I, I don't. I don't think that the kid has gotten up. I think his imprint you know, is still in Shields Watkins Field. Austin said in our post game pod that's such a, a Cade Mays injury, and I didn't see him in real time get injured. When I watched on the replay, I'm like, that is such a Cade Mays way to get hurt. <laughs> yes, a- absolutely. So Cade was out for most of the game. Uh, Cooper was out. Uh, Jerome Carvin was already out of position. Uh, Kingston Harris goes down early in that game due to injury. So you were really banged up. The, the guys that you actually do trust were, were banged up. And to be brutally honest, like I, I understand that it's that it's Tennessee Tech, but the guys that were playing in place of the injured guys were guys that never should have gotten scholarship offers to, to Tennessee in the first place that, quite frankly, should be playing at a Tennessee Tech level. So to me – the, the offensive line issue against Tennessee Tech was was more of a a wide angle view than, you know, what to project against Florida, because those guys that came in aren't going to be playing this weekend unless guys continue to get banged up. So I agree that the performance was bad against Tennessee Tech. Tennessee should always dominate Tennessee Tech, but Tennessee has a personnel issue up front depth issue as, as we have talked about since the beginning of fall camp and that really highlighted itself against Tennessee Tech. But Cooper Mays is is a is a huge addition back to this offensive line. Uh, I mentioned because Kingston Harris is now hurt. Uh, I mentioned the the communication, the up tempo being allowed or allowing Jerome Carvin to slide back to guard where he is best. But uh, Eric, I, I really hope that Cooper is healthy and ready to go because he has a, a tall task this weekend uh, against a really solid uh, Florida interior that may not have the first round picks that we have become used to having at Florida, but they have a lot of veterans that have played a lot of football. Antonio Valentino, uh, a redshirt senior from Penn state who transferred to Florida, Uh, Daquan Newkirk, another redshirt senior who transferred from Auburn, Uh, Gervin Dexter. He's a youngster, only a sophomore, um, but a former five-star who played really well against Alabama. And then the one that I, I'm really concerned about matchup-wise in terms of Cooper going up against this person is, is Florida freshman Desmond Watson, the big old boy who weighs over 400 pounds. Arrived at Florida over the summer at 460. Uh, the online roster lists him at 400, but I'm not buying that. Supposedly he's around 415, 420. And the, the up-temple of Josh Heupel's offense will keep him off the field in most situations, but in short yardage situations and around the goal line, he is a guy that played really well against Alabama. Uh, and and that, that's a big matchup for, yeah. for Cooper. What, what's Cooper, 280-ish, 300? Yeah. Uh, he, on, on a, 
Not coming back from one. an ankle injury, mm-hmm. and he's got to go up against 420, 440 pounds. I mean, that that's that's asking a lot. So I hope that I hope that Cooper's healthy because he had a tall task uh, this evening. Yeah, better better take those ankles. You mentioned Watson, four hundred ish pounds. Uh, all four of those other guys you mentioned on the interior with you know Newkirk, you know Valentino, Dexter, and Lee, all over three hundred pounds. Um, and again, you know Tennessee is is harping on Elijah Simmons, uh, a guy that weighs three fifty, and how he needs to continue to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight to be effective and, and to be able to stay on the field. And you got you got some big guys uh, for Florida in the interior, of course. You have the ends in Zachary Taylor, who's been there a while, and, and Brenton Cox Jr., who plays that buck spot. Um, got a couple of good linebackers for Florida. Their best linebacker, Ventrell Miller, actually went down earlier in the season uh, due to injury. He'll be out some time. But um, it, it's a tall task for uh, for Cooper Mays, who did play against Florida last year. So he, he has gone up against some of these guys. And, of course, he's a football player. He knows what to expect. But you're right there. It's like, welcome back. Also, you know, get ready to roll and hope that ankle is ready to roll because you need some, a solid foundation uh, because of uh, what you're going to be going up against in the interior shades, um, you know, some some zero techniques, a one technique, all those Cooper will be involved with um, as well. Uh, let's go ahead and shift gears. Let's talk about Florida's offense. Uh, it, it's it's run by Emory Jones. Now he kind of sat and waited his turn behind Kyle Trask, had some package top players, an extremely incredible athlete, and a 2 and one record for Florida. Of course, a two-point conversion uh, away from tying that football game in the fourth quarter with a couple of minutes left against Alabama, nearly shocking the world, to be completely honest with you. Um, held on to that option just a little bit too long down there on that, uh, that two-point conversion. But a cruise against Florida Atlantic, cruise against South Florida, and again in the Alabama game, averaging 35 points per game. Some are skewed. I get that. 335 yards on the ground. That's not going to happen against Tennessee, but they got over, what, 240 against Alabama? I mean, a really good showing against Alabama. I believe. And defensively, they held Alabama to below the century mark on the ground for only the third time since 2014. So a really impressive stat there on both sides. But the run game, you got veteran backs in the backfield. You mentioned you got three guys who have played a lot of football. You got Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson will play in this football game. Um, that was pretty much all we guaranteed by Dan Mullen earlier um, in the uh, in the week. But Emory Jones, you want him, you want to force him into passing situations. Easier said than done. I understand that because Florida's been so efficient in, in, in running the football. But you know, read options, some speed options a little bit. He loves the cutback lanes. Uh, if Tennessee wants to hang in this football game, you have to slow Emory Jones and that Florida offense in, in running the football. You're not going to stop it. You need to slow it down and try to force them into third and mid to third to long situations because, and I've said it all week, I've said it all offseason, if Florida has to rely on the right arm of Emory Jones to win a football game in the fourth quarter, they're not going to win the fourth. Uh, they're not going to win that football game until I see it, okay? And again, you almost beat Alabama, and you did, and, and give them props. But again, that was that was so heavily, you know, regarded on on the run game as well. Um, Emory Jones leads the SEC with five interceptions so far. He's completing about sixty three percent clip. Anthony Richardson has not, you know, been tested an awful lot. I think he has eleven pass attempts on the season. He had one really nice touchdown pass against South Florida. He's just super athletic. He's going to be the guy before it's all said and done. But defending the run, how are you doing it, and what should we expect to see from Tennessee? later today the only thing that emory jones has has proven to be consistent in doing is making bad decisions and he look he looked good against florida he i mean uh, against alabama and he surprised me i, I thought alabama was going to run away with it uh, going into the game definitely thought alabama 
was was going to run away with it when it got up 21 to three. And I think part of that is that Alabama is immature and inexperienced and, and that's a different conversation and Alabama will learn from that. But uh, Emory Jones, I, I was stunned by his performance because I, I'm not very high on, on Emory Jones. Again, yeah, the only I. thing that he has proven to be consistent in doing is making bad decisions. Go watch the FAU game. Go watch the uh, USF game. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And, and even had a couple early against Alabama. And then he kind of shook off the cobwebs and, and got going there uh, a little bit. And if you're Tennessee, you have to make Florida beat you with his arm. If Emory Jones beats you as a passer, then tip your hat, tuck your tail, and just head on back to, to Knoxville and, and that so be it. Exactly, because Emory Jones has not proven to do that once in his, his career yet, and he's a redshirt junior. So in terms of stopping the run, that that's going to be the difference in the game. If if and I'm stating the obvious, but if, if Florida just runs all day just in, in open space over Tennessee's defense, then, then obviously they're going to run away with it. And couple uh, that, I, I think, if your offense goes three and out, short possessions, gives the football mm-hmm. right back to them, it'll make, it'll make matters worse. Yeah, and, and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on kind of what you think the, the target range of rushing yards allowed should be. Because I, I think it needs to be maybe anywhere from – you know, 75 to, to 125. And I know that sounds like a lot, but again, we're talking about a, a rushing attack that just ran for 244 against Alabama and is averaging over 300 yards per game. And, and Florida through three games has over a thousand rushing yards and it, it's the most rushing yards in, in three games in Florida history in, in 40 years. Uh, so you, you're going to have to settle for containing the run not stopping it, in in my opinion, that that's a more realistic expectation. I think it's seventy five to one twenty five. And Eric, I think there's there's been some good traits on film that that lends to Tennessee potentially doing so. Uh, I think Tennessee does a great job of swarming to the football, which is so critical in these situations. And uh, against an inconsistent Florida offensive line, I think veterans like Matthew Butler, Jaquan Blakely. Uh, I know Tyler Barron's only a sophomore, but he's played football. Yeah, count him uh, in there. By, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So those guys can can fill the correct run gaps and and do a good job of, of setting the edge and, and containing Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson, which will be huge, containing them in the pocket. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing, though, and it's just fundamental football, you can speak better to this than I can. You, you played linebacker in, in college, but just being able to swarm – to the football and gang tackle. And I feel like Tennessee's done a good job of that through three games. Obviously, Florida, a much different test than Pittsburghville. Well, I mean, it's it's like you just read my my piece in the prediction column we put out yesterday because, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's I'll take it a step further. I mean, in terms of how do you do it? Well, it's like going up against Clay Thompson and, and, and Steph, you know, with, with, the, with the Warriors. It's like they're going to do their thing, but shut down everybody else and you can maybe win that basketball game. It's like – Russell Westbrook gets a triple-double every single game. Yeah, he can do that. That's fine. You're still going to lose. That, that's the type of mindset you have to have because you know, Florida's going to run the football. It's about containing it. Don't letting it get out of control. How do you do it? Well, easier said than done. The edge play is going to be critical. Tyler Barron, Byron Young, Jaquan Blakely, Caleb Tremblay, whoever's out there playing the edge. You got to set it. You got to force everything inside. When you give up, contain. 
cornerbacks, Alante Taylor, Warren Burrell, got to come up and set it, play strong, force everything back inside. Because if you force everything back inside, you have 10 other guys that can be there and help. Um, backside safeties, backside, like if Theo's playing backside, uh, backside corner, backside backer, don't over-pursue because they love the cutback lane. you got to be there to erase it. Uh, up front, gap integrity. You're not going to get a lot of tackles in this football game. But if you hold your gap, you can allow a Jeremy Banks, allow a Jawan Mitchell if he plays, allow a Solon Page, Aaron Beasley to run and go make the play. So all of this is easier said than done. And, and this is a game plan you go in there. I mean, Alabama went in with this game plan. Um, USF went in with this game plan. I mean, you know, Tennessee's going to do it as well. But you got to do those things in order to try to contain some things. And you'll give up some yards, and that's fine. But, again, if you – you know, Florida had two Florida, – Florida's defense forced two three-and-outs in the second quarter down 21-3. to three and change that ball game against Alabama. You know, Tennessee, could you be in a position like that to where you get a couple three and outs consecutively, allows your offense to get back to the football game? Maybe, maybe that's all it takes uh, in a game like this. So um, it'll be interesting. We'll have to see, but I'm fully expecting to see a heavy dose of Emory Jones, a heavy dose of Anthony Richardson at times. And it's you put out a great column, you know, pretenders or contenders. You know, let's see, let's see what this defense is. Okay, we don't know anything about Bowling Green. We don't know anything about Tennessee Tech. Like the effort you played against Pittsburgh, um, you gave up 28 in one quarter. Well, really, that first touchdown was really – I'll put that on the first quarter. But nonetheless, um, you were great in sudden change situations. But we're going to find out exactly how mu- how improved this defense is because you like what you've seen so far. You are swarming. You're running. You're hitting. You're getting improved defensive line play. Um, I've, I've been high on Jeremy Banks so far. I think he's played pretty well so far. But you're going to find out tomorrow just how improved – this defense really is. Yeah, and, and there's some things that Tennessee should find comfort in going into this football game, and I'm more so talking about from the fan perspective because if we're being honest with ourselves, there, there's no doubt that Florida's offense has more talent, more depth than than Tennessee's defense, and uh, Tennessee has has been successful against the run the first three games, not because they necessarily – out talented folks. Yes, Tennessee is more talented uh, than than Bowling Green, than Tennessee Tech, uh, Pittsburgh. Not very strong against the run, so Tennessee should thrive in that situation. So, yes, they are more talented than those teams. But to me, that's not why Tennessee was was so successful in stopping the run. It, it was because they are playing such great fundamental defense at, at every level, at every level. And, and as much talk about Josh Heupel's offense. I think this defensive coaching staff is just tremendous. Rodney Garner, the best defensive line coach in the country. Uh, Brian Jean-Marie, if you look at his his resume, he's developed all SEC linebackers or all conference linebackers uh, at Texas, at Michigan, everywhere he's been. We know Willie Martinez's track record and how he's great at developing players. This team just does all the fundamentals correctly. So, uh, I don't know if if Tennessee has the game-changing playmakers up front to, to swing this game. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, if Tennessee just is going to overwhelm Florida in the trenches with, with talent. But what I do know is that Matthew Butler is going to be where he's supposed to be. Uh, I, I know uh, Caleb Tremblay is going to be where he is supposed to be. I, I know Amari Thomas – um, Elijah Simmons, they're young in the interior, 
But Rodney Garner is going to have those guys where they are supposed to be. I said it earlier with Solon Page. He's going to be where he is supposed to be. The the, the secondary uh, is going to be where they're they supposed to be. So that's what would give me confidence going into this game if I'm on Tennessee is I know that they're going to play good, fundamental football. It's just going to be whether they can display enough talent uh, to, to slow down and contain the run. And, and here's the other thing is, Tennessee doesn't have to just completely shut down Florida and, and its rushing attack. Uh, Florida against Alabama had a 99-yard scoring drive and four scoring drives, I think it was, uh, of over 70 yards. Yeah, true. You can do that if you're Tennessee. Just don't allow them to score a touchdown. Bow up in the red zone. Bow up once they cross the 50. And play bend but don't break defense. That, that's okay. Bend but don't break defense is perfectly fine against a team like Florida. Little little Knox West defense from Thursday night. Am I right, Ben? That that that's right. Who, hey. by the way, shout out to Rob Lewis. I told you, Rob. I told you, man. Going to cover. I mean, you said that Thursday earlier in the day. And we're just like, all right, man. You you, you kind of said it in vain. But hey, you about had him out right. That was a heck of a ball game. And and props to Knox West played a just a fantastic ball game. Alcoa survived. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I'm intrigued. And hey, when that football's in the air, when you when you are in a passing situation, go get it because. You, you created four turnovers. You scored 21 points off them. You had to pick six against Tennessee Tech. That's great. Now you know you can do it. Emory Jones, as, as you pointed out, Ben, you know, does not make smart decisions. Go get that football. Create possessions. Give yourself more opportunities because right now it just it, it, it just is where you are right now. Okay, You're not talented enough to win straight up. you got to have things go your way, and you've got to win the turnover battle by several. I mean, by two-plus at least. And so you know, those are a couple of keys. Let's flip the script real quick. Let's go Tennessee offense against Florida defense. Uh, we mentioned uh, a little bit of the challenges on the interior, and especially with Cox and and Taylor uh, or Carter, excuse me, on the, on the edges there. Um, this is a Florida defense that was not great last year, but did lead the SEC in sacks. You uh, you return Elam at cornerback, who's fantastic. He's really your only starter returning in the secondary. You had a another cornerback, I believe his name was Jaden Horn. Uh, maybe Jaden Hill. Jaden Hill. There you go. Um, he went out with injury during fall camp. Two of them, Jaden Hill and Kamar Wilcoxon, two former. Big time Tennessee targets. Wilcoxon, a former Tennessee commit. Commit, yeah. Uh, both of them were supposed to be uh, either starters or definitely in in the two deep, and they've gone down due to injury. I believe both tore their ACL in, in fall camp. Yeah, I think they're both out for the year, or at least an extended period of time. So uh, breaking in two new safeties, breaking a new a new star position, but. Tennessee, you've got to establish the run game again because it's been non-existent. You hope with the addition of Cooper May sliding Car- Carvin over, that'll help in that regard. A lot of it has to do with quarterback. I get it. I think Florida is not losing sleep on who, if it's Milton or if it's Hooker, because the scheme doesn't change that much. Of course, there's different things you'll do, but it doesn't change drastically. Um, if Milton can go, a lot of people are saying that you know he's your starting quarterback, he should start. I'm with you. When I walked out of that Thursday presser, Ben, um, I felt like, and again, I'm just a lot of times we have a we have a general idea of what's going to happen. Uh, you know, a lot of times we do just simply because we're close with people and it's what we do. Um, I do not know who's starting a quarterback, but I have a feel that it is going to be Hendon Hooker just from context clues from what Josh Heupel said on Thursday. Said he's not leaning towards playing two quarterbacks. He, uh, you know, Milton has been out there practicing a little bit, but Hendon Hooker's been playing. Hendon Hooker has practiced with the first team the last two weeks. It would make sense if you are going to start Hendon Hooker, and that's what I'm expecting tonight. If it is Hendon Hooker, 
outside of not turning the football over and all that, what what does a Hendon Hooker offense need to do to to extend drives, to to get some points on the board, and and to try to make this thing interesting against a veteran defense that's going to come after you? Yeah, I'm with you. I I think Hendon is is going to start as well, and I agree with you when when you talked about uh, what Hypo had to say about not playing two quarterbacks, but really the context clue to me that Hooker is going to to start and play is Hypo said the same thing on Thursday about Joe Milton not really practicing this week, but being able to get out on the grass. That that's that that's Hypo's phrase, get out on the grass. Uh, he, he said the same thing yesterday about Milton this week that he said post-game after Tennessee Tech about Milton in practice last week. That you know what's concerning a though. Ton. You know what's concerning though, Joe. He said the same thing about Juwan Mitchell. He did. He did. So. That that is that is interesting. Uh, don't make me go on a, a linebacker rant again <laughs> on, on this on this podcast, please. Um, but with, with Hinden Hooker, I, I the reason I would roll with Hooker is I just think he he gives Tennessee the the best chance to to be consistent on offense. I, I realize that he lacks the the you know, the, the big splash plays like like a Joe Milton, and, and he doesn't have that arm strength that Joe Milton does. But to be quite honest, what good does that arm strength do if if if, if you don't know how to throw with anticipation? Uh, you can't throw guys open. Uh, you can't put touch on the ball. Uh, that, that arm strength is being wasted, quite frankly. And, look, I'm not for moving Joe Milton to tight end or, or throwing Joe Milton away. No, he, he has three years of eligibility, two after this year. He, he should continue to be a, a focus for this coaching staff to try and develop him. And, and I do buy into the fact that he's only 30 practices in, in a game and a half in here at, at Tennessee. I think there's something to be said for that. But uh, Alex Golish, quite frankly, really sold me on Hendon Hooker when he spoke about him at Vol Calls last Wednesday going into the Tennessee Tech game. And uh, Bob Kessling asked, Alex Golish, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, what he liked about Hendon Hooker, what he liked about Joe Milton, and, and he raved about how Hendon prepares like a pro, and he's a savvy veteran. And if you read between the lines, he alluded to, to Joe needing to become better at, at preparation. And, and to me, that is that is very telling. So uh, that that's one aspect of, of why I would roll with Hooker. And then, you know, we talk about Milton being able to make the big play with with his arm well hooker can make the big play with his legs and look joe can run but joe can't make guys miss like hendon can and and i think there's something to be said for the fact that throughout fall camp hendon hooker is in a non-contact jersey and you can't really see all these splash running plays in practice that you can see in the game i think there's something to be said for that so uh, i just think that there's a level of consistency with with hendon that that can really help this offense uh, he's not going to get rattled in, in this situation. I, I would be surprised if, if he did. And um, although he doesn't have the arm strength uh, of a Joe Milton, I mean, I think he's capable of pushing the ball vertically downfield. And that's that's the matchup that I have circled with this Tennessee offense and this Florida defense. Yes, the offensive line is going to need to give Hendon some time. Uh, the receivers are going to need to be better. But this Florida secondary is is not the Florida secondary that we're used to. Kyrie Elam, you mentioned him. He's their best corner. 
his his availability for tonight is is a huge question mark. He he may not be able to play due to injury. And they also and, have a freshman that plays opposite of him a lot of the time. Yep, and that's where I was going next. Is that even with Kyrie Elam, they're relying on two youngsters, a redshirt freshman in Avery Helm and, and a true freshman in Jason Marshall. And they have been very inconsistent throughout this start to the season. So that was with Kyer Elam on the field. And now if Kyer Elam can't go, then you're going to have a redshirt freshman, Avery Helm on one side, and a true freshman, Jason Marshall, on the other side. And, and both are very talented. They're just young. Jason Marshall, a, a five-star and like the highest-ranked corner tennis or uh, Florida has ever signed. So they have talent, but they're young. And, and they have not gotten off to a good start this year. So – uh, if if Valus Jones is healthy and, and good to go, he's a veteran that you would expect to be able to make some plays against a, a young secondary. Cedric Tillman, Javante Payton, veterans that that should be able to make plays. You detailed the safeties earlier. Uh, Trey Dean, a former Tennessee commit, he's playing a strong safety and has been inconsistent throughout his career, but seems to finally have found a home there. Uh, Rashad Torrance is a, a sophomore at free safety. Uh, who, who's been pretty inconsistent as well, will make a play, will miss on a play. Uh, really, the, the star position is is their best DB spot other than Kyrie Elam uh, with uh, Travez Johnson. And then Jadarius Perkins, the Missouri transfer, has has kind of flipped in and out as as well. So if the O-line can give Hendon enough time to to push the ball down the field, if, if Tennessee all of a sudden starts hitting on these deep balls, Eric, I mean, we're we're looking at a totally different ball game. Well, I mean, it, it's it changes the entire conversation we've had the last two weeks. I mean, and again, we 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 continue recycle, recycle, recycle. You're not going to hit on all the deep balls. You're just not. I mean, you watch you watch guys play on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers missed, I, I think, two uh, last game. I mean, it just you're not going to hit them on on all of them. But I mean, if you hit on a couple of those, it changes the entire conversation what we're having right now. I mean, it changes the stat line. It helps with the completion percentage. Obviously, it's a couple more touchdowns, you know, on the stat sheet and all that. And, and that's why I think even if and, – and I expect – we expect Hendon Hooker to be the starting quarterback tonight. I, I still don't think they're going to give up on, on Joe Milton this year. I understand that y- you want it to be for the future and all that too. I'm a guy that's already been in the – you know, this is uh, fourth year as a college football player, and he's got three years of eligibility remaining too. He's already a vet, but he's got tons left. I, I get all that. Um, and I know Josh Heupel says he's leaning towards not playing two quarterbacks right now, and that's fine. But circumstances arise during football games, that changes. And that could change tonight. We'll have to see. Joe Milton, again, just has the highest ceiling. It has everything you want. It's just got to click. But you can't continue to put him out there if it's not clicking, and I understand that. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays in night one, if he gets in there, if he's available in night one, if he plays or not, um, is two, and then, you know, how effective he can be. Um, but – uh, I think Hendon Hooker's done fine so far this year. Turnovers have been a little bit of an issue. You got to protect the football a little bit more. We talked about his two fumbles uh, the other day during the two minute drill um, behind the camera, <laughs> and uh, about how he, he needs to you know take care of the football a little bit more. The, the interception I thought was a hell of a play. Backside safety just just made a great play on it. Um, we'll have to see, but I think Tennessee's in a great spot to have a guy who started 15 games at a Power Five level coming into this year to fall back on, who's athletic as all get out who can create a lot and can also you can you can call design plays for Hendon Hooker to show off his ability to run the football. I saw a straight quarterback zone against Pitt. I saw a counter against Tennessee Tech, you know, just stuff like that. That's that's different from the RPOs 
um, and, and obviously uh, options that that we the the read options that we see, you know, them running on routine. Also in camp when we were there one day, saw them uh, repping speed options too. Have yet to see a speed option, but you can do that with Hendon Hooker too. So. It will be interesting. Jeez, Eric, quit. Don't give away Tennessee secrets. You're going to get a shot. <sighs> Brand new thing called the speed option. Just invented this year, by the way. We'll see if we see it. I'm uh, going to laugh when uh, Tennessee rolls it out the, the first the first time in the first quarter against Florida tonight, and it gets absolutely stuffed because Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham <laughs> listened to this podcast this this morning as soon as we, we put it out. They listened, and they picked up on something because of you. So – for those listening, when, when Tennessee rolls out a speed option in the first quarter today and gets absolutely stuffed, it's because, Eric Kane's fault because he gave away secrets. Because Dan Mullen listens to this podcast, which I'm all about. What's yes. up, Dan, if you're here? Uh, that'd be great. All right, so throughout the show, we've already kind of given some of our keys to victory or whatnot. Do you have anything else that sticks out? I mean, mine, you know, briefly, it's contain, contain, contain. you got to set the edges, force everything inside. Don't over-pursue on defense. There's a lot of my defensive scout, I guess. Gap integrity, offense, of course, you want explosive plays. I mean, you got to take your shots. Um, you got to be efficient in the short to intermediate passing to set up the long, the long passing plays downfield or the opportunities for it. Um, but also, you, you want to run the football. Uh, Josh Heupel said that all of his success in the past started with an efficient run game. You go back and look at the stats, man. I wrote tons of stories this offseason just about that, about how the run game has been the focal point of a Josh Heupel offense his entire tenure. Uh, can that come back today? How much will Jabari Small play? We'll see. Tyon Evans, can he get back on track? How much Jalen Wright will we see? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that need to go right, but the biggest thing is create opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities. We'll see if Tennessee can do any of that because I do think that Tennessee will cover tonight. Um, I think Tennessee's got talent and, and can contend and make it a ball game, you know, late in this fourth quarter, but you can't afford to make mistakes because Florida is just a little bit more talented than you are on the other end. Yeah. Um, my keys to the game are, are pretty much what we've talked about uh, all podcasts long. Uh, you you got to stop the run, maybe, maybe not stop the run, but contain the run. Um, you, you just can't let Florida have a field day. You, you got to find a way to, to make life tough on the ground for Florida while also forcing Emory Jones into some, some really bad mistakes and, and hopefully those really bad mistakes Obviously, they could be incompletions or holding on to the ball too long and, and getting sacked. But hopefully those really bad mistakes are interceptions that he throws right to the hands uh, of a Tennessee DB or linebacker. And once you you get that Emory Jones turnover, you got to turn around and hit on the deep ball. You, you got to turn around and take advantage of it. So uh, containing the run forcing Emory Jones in, into some turnovers uh, and then taking advantage of the turnovers is just as important uh, of getting the turnover. You, you got to turn around and, and take advantage of it. Uh, and if, if you can hit on the deep shots, man, the, the outlook on, on this ball game is, is totally different. And I, I think the other one or two things that are obvious, uh, but are worth mentioning the penalties, you, you, you were good against Bowling Green. You were good against Tennessee tech horrific against Pittsburgh, probably cost you the game uh, in addition to the turnovers and lack of turnovers forced. So can, can you do good in the penalty category once again? It, it, you can't beat yourself in the swamp. You, you just can't. So take care of the penalties. And then, again, just winning the turnover margin. I talked about 
forcing Emory Jones into some turnovers. You, you have to win the margin. You, you can't force Emory Jones into three interceptions and then cough it up twice on a fumble and yeah. then also throw an interception. So uh, turnover margin, penalties, all, all the cliches that, that coaches talk about. But when, when you play in a game like this, when, when you're going up against a team that is more talented, a team that does have more depth, it's, it's on the road, primetime, night game, 7 o'clock ESPN. Tennessee hasn't won there since 2003. Florida has a lot of confidence coming off of a narrow loss to number one Alabama. You, you have to, to win the turnover margin. You can't beat yourself by, by stupid penalties. And again, I'll take it a step further too. Uh, and I think I heard Brent say this um, maybe on his appearance on Sports Talk. I mean, you not only have to win the turnover battle, you got to win it convincingly. And that's what I put in my pick segment too. Um, I mean, we're I'm talking two plus. Um, so so we'll have to see exactly you know how that turns out. Um, if I was any good at my job, I would. I'm a radio guy. I should have gone back and pulled this audio. But as we end our Game Quest podcast each and every week, Ben McKee, I'm Eric Kane. We do bold predictions. And our guy, Ben, of course, I almost hit it on the head the week before. We've actually been on a really good run here lately. In, in week one, you hit it, too, with two uh, two. We've been rotating. We've, so, we've, we've been rotating. It was week one with Tyon and Jabari going for over 100. Week two, it was you calling uh, a, a blocked punt. And a near and then, touchdown, yeah. Yeah, and then week three, I said Bayless was going to get one opportunity to return a kick, which he did, and he was going to take it to the house, which he, he, he got called back. Um, I'm but so counted, he man. returned I'm to so the three yard line, dude. So you stood, I, I stood up in the press box when that happened and looked to find you. And I, we just made eye contact. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, he, he went down to what the five yard line. Of course he got I think it was back a three, head, but, uh, the one opportunity Valus nearly takes it back, nearly a house call. So maybe they're not bold enough. I don't know. I feel like they are, but bold prediction time. I'll get things started here. Ben Tennessee's defense will force two fumbles and recover two fumbles, so creating at least two turnovers via force fumbles. Maybe go get an interception there as well. That'd be great. They're going to run the football a lot. Go force two fumbles, recover two fumbles. That's how you gain a couple of extra, extra possessions. That is my bold prediction. I like it. I like it. You want to throw uh, two players on on those uh Fumble recovery. Okay, let's go. Fumbles. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Matthew Butler causes it. Tyler Barron recovers on one. I can mix and match these two. I'm just gonna four players have to be involved to to, to get it right. Uh, and then we'll go. We'll go. Jeremy or a, or a player can force it and recover it. True. True. Let's go. Jeremy Banks causes. No. 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 Let's go. Alante Taylor causes. Theo Jackson recovers. There we go. Okay. I like it. My bold prediction. I wanted to do something in the run game. Tennessee holds Florida to 150 or less, 175 or less, which, again, I know that sounds like a lot. And then and it is to a certain extent, but not for a team that's averaging over 300 yards per game. But to be quite honest, I don't feel confident in making that bold prediction. So my bold prediction is Matthew Butler pressures Emory Jones and Emory Jones makes a horrific decision, throws it up. Alante Taylor picks it off and returns it all the way to the house. I'll say 57 yards. Florida will have just crossed midfield, 
and Matthew Butler gets pressure on Emory Jones. Emory Jones makes a bad decision. Alante Taylor picks it off, returns it 57 yards for the touchdown in the third quarter. I mean, we are getting specific here. I like let's it. Go! I like it's it. Tennessee, Florida. <laughs> hey, hey, and uh, let's talk a little trash. All right. It is a rivalry game. You don't like each other. Let's talk a little trash. Well, Tennessee, what do you got to lose? You ain't won, you ain't won down there since 03. Talks and smack. Act like you've been there before or don't. It don't matter. Talks and smack. I love it. Uh, Just don't ben, get a penalty. Yeah, don't get a penalty. That, that'd be stupid. Talking to you, Jeremy Banks. Uh, ben, you are going to be down there with Brent and with Austin. I'm going to go to Missouri the following weekend. So uh, plenty of things to look forward to during the game. I'm still going to be on the board and writing some stuff and doing all that, but plenty of stuff during the game to pay attention to and certainly thereafter, right? That That is right. Please, please, please pray for me as I have to travel with Austin Price. Yeah, that's tough. That that is that that's gonna be tough. It's, it's, it's gonna be a tough 24 hours, but no, I'm excited to uh to make my way down to the swamp. Austin and I are, are flying out early this morning, early this morning, and uh, I'm excited to get back down there. I was in the swamp in 17 for the Callaway oh. Hail Mary. Ugh. Not fun. That was my senior year of college. 17 was uh, my my last year of, of football at, at Tennessee as a as a student and my roommates and I made the trek down to Gainesville and uh, only to witness John Kelly fumble late and Callaway catch a hail also, mary. That was that was cr- brutal. Critical drop from John Kelly that could have been six there late in that. Football. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Not a fumble, but uh, the drop. You had the whole ordeal with with Butch not going under center with with Dobbs and and Dormandy just a. Not not a not a great day, but hey, I'm looking forward to to a night game at the swamp. It'll be a cool atmosphere, and uh, we'll have plenty of coverage. Two minute drill, podcast, video, uh, everything that that you typically see up on the site. It'll be there for you Saturday night and into Sunday morning. Yeah, Ben and I will be on the board hanging out with you guys. Looking forward to it. Ben and Austin will have a podcast afterwards, a couple of uh, columns as well, like we always do. Plenty of post game reaction over the rest of the weekend and uh hope you guys uh, dial into ballquest.com and check it all out of course game quest brought to you by smoky mountain organics east tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products organic remedies and a variety of elements you can visit one of any of their four locations gatlinburg pigeon forest revereville and the new location in knoxville 8018 kingston pike across from trader show or you can buy online at their website smoky mountain organics.com and uh, being new to VolQuest, they want to start it off by welcoming all new Vol fans at any location. If you mention VolQuest, they're going to give you 15% off your total purchase, 15% off your total purchase. Again, Smoky Mountain Organics, that's on in-store purchases only. Uh, for Ben McKee, give him a follow on Twitter. He'll have plenty of coverage pregame as well. I am Eric Kane at underscore Kane or with a BT. What's your, what's your Twitter, dog? Ben McKee 14, dog. There there we go. I should have known that. All right. This has been Game Quest, a Vol Quest podcast. You've been listening to Game Quest, a Vol Quest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric King. Stay dialed in to VolQuest.com for complete game day coverage. This has been Game Quest, a Vol Quest production.